Mindfulness Mode 503. This underguarded heart really takes very conscious training and awareness and mindfulness on what your mental habits are. Welcome to Mindfulness Mode. So great to have you here. Hey, have you ever thought of launching your own podcast? Podbean is an excellent host. It's been around for about 10 years. The pricing is great. It's $9 a month, no matter how much content you upload to your podcast. And they offer great stats as well, so you can see how you're doing. And you can help support the Mindfulness Mode podcast by using this affiliate link, and you'll get a a month of free hosting. Go to podbean.com slash podbean mm now sit back relax and enjoy today's episode with rachel jane groover focus and happiness right here on mindfulness mode with me your host and mindfulness life coach bruce langford Now, Mindful Tribe, I am so looking forward today. We're not only going to be talking about mindfulness, but we're going to be talking about presence. And I'm so honored and pleased to have Rachel Jane Groover with me today. Hey, Rachel, are you in mindfulness mode today? I am in mindfulness mode today. And the thing that brings me into mindfulness mode, or one of the things is doing a podcast or doing a speech or doing an interview because like, yeah, where's the enjoyment and where's the presence if you're not in mindfulness mode doing that? So I'm feeling on and ready to go and excited to talk to you. Yeah, it's absolutely great. I've seen you online and I know that you do wonderful, wonderful live events, Rachel. But first, tell us what mindfulness means to you. Mindfulness to me is one aspect of spiritual and personal awakening. And it's not necessarily the whole picture as presence is not the whole picture and meditation is not the whole picture, but mindfulness is so important because it's the watching, the being mindful of what's running the show in any moment and our mental habits, our emotional habits, our defense mechanisms of our personality structure are so strong. They're like knee-jerk reactions that if you aren't incredibly mindful and you don't really work on that skill, good luck trying to change your behaviors. Good luck trying to have choice in your life. I mean, real choice because real choice, not knee-jerk reaction, comes from mindfulness and then from there being able to come to a present state versus that knee-jerk reaction. So I think it is so critical. And you talk about presence a lot. And I think that's such an important and interesting angle to talk about today. Presence, how you can have presence when you walk into a room and how you can bring your presence to any situation. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So the the definition that, that I talk about, well, let's start with what it's not. Presence to me is not performance. Presence to me is not about projecting a a forced sense of confidence, which sometimes people do when they're walking into a room. Like I go to a lot of events and networking and there might be this 
woman in the room is like, oh, I've got my light on and I'm walking across the room. But I'm like, you know, that's not presence. It's like projection of image. That's not presence. Uh, presence is life force. It's, it's being able to bring your aliveness and your life force into the eternal moment of now, which means everything almost stops, like the mind stops, mindfulness increases. But the what, reason why I love talking about it is presence is an energetic thing. The it factor is what people used to call, but this energetic thing that transmits love, light, compassion, whatever you're wanting to transmit into the room and people feel it. And when people feel that, there is so much benefit. Like, you know, like being in, if you're doing a podcast and you're not like really present, it's not going to be as good as like, okay, here I am. And hello, it's Bruce Langford here. And like, it's just so different. And for me as a speaker and a trainer and a retreat leader, it's everything. It's why people keep coming back to us year after year. And yes, it's, it's what I'm saying, but it's more about what I and my team now are presencing in that moment and people, people can feel it. Well, they definitely can feel it and I can feel it just being here with you, Rachel. It's just fantastic. Now, I want to share a little bit more about you with Mindful Tribe. Rachel Jane Groover is determined to accelerate spiritual awareness and raise global consciousness on our planet. She is a global speaker and creator of the art of feminine presence and the awakening trainings. And I know that you help women become more visible, courageous, and fully self-expressed. And your work answers the question, how can we be unshakable and magnetic when all eyes are on us? <laughs> and you're also the author of two best-selling books, one called Powerful and Feminine, and the other one called Divine Breadcrumbs. That's right. And I, we have lots of men in our tribe as well. They don't come to the art of feminine presence, but they might come to the awakening or um, we have a speaker training I do with my gorgeous husband, Dada Groover, called the Awakened Speaker. And so we find a way for conscious, compassionate, awesome men. But it really started with my challenges. I think we all, in a way, do work and to have a message that starts with why we were so struggling. And for me, it was in love relationships. Had a hard time uh, finding, attracting, sustaining a really beautiful, intimate partner with a partnership with a conscious and passionate man, you know, and trying to figure that out. And as I did, I realized I disconnected from my feminine energy, my feminine essence, even though I looked feminine, might have sounded feminine there was a very strong pull to like, no, I am, I am strong. I am independent, neutralizing my sexuality and my sexual essence. No, that's not spiritual. All sorts of things I discovered as I was learning about feminine energy. And then a different type of man started showing up in my life from doing these practices that I now teach. And that was great. And then I moved the work to business and to how do you get your message out? How do you get your work out? 
And, you know, all these life coaches at the time were telling me, just do what you love and the money will follow. You know, it's just that easy. And I think you probably know as well, Bruce, that's not the whole picture. No, it is not. (laughs) It's not the whole picture. And what I realized when moving to this country, I'm Australian and I moved here in 2002 and these life coaches were saying, do what you love and the money will follow. I realized that attention, getting people's attention and holding it was the biggest key. And that pushed up against my biggest fear, which was having all eyes on me, having the attention, feeling safe in that. And I don't know if that relates to you, Bruce, but a lot of women, we've got ancestral patterns, family history, generational sort of trauma of women not feeling safe, being seen and being heard. And so there I'm in this Cats 22 situation. I want to be seen and I don't want to be seen and I sort of really want it and I don't want it. And so I use these practices to completely change my fear and self-consciousness now speaking to hundreds of people at a time, usually um, in business. And then uh, it was about three or four years ago that I realized, even though I'd been on a spiritual path for 20 or more years, I didn't realize that these presence practices, like how to have magnetism and how to bring your life force was actually the doorway to spiritual awakening. And I had a profound set of experiences over about a nine-month period a few years ago, which sort of popped me through the eye of the needle, if you will, to a place where, um, yeah, no suffering has occurred since then and huge shift of consciousness. But it was sort of surprising that the same practices that would help me become fully and courageously expressed were the same practices that allowed me to go through that eye of the needle and drop into a consistent state of, um, you know, more open awareness versus a sort of come and go state, which was what I was in. I'd have the moments of like, oh, I'm there. And then, no, I'm not. And there I am. And no, I'm not. So it's been such a powerful process. Rachel, I want to go back to that nine month period. And I want to ask you, can you take us to one of those or two of those experiences that you had during that yes. time. Yes. Um, the, the fir- well, probably not the first, but one of the biggest, I was writing my third book. So um, Powerful and Feminine came out nine years ago on the feminine work. And then Divine Breadcrumbs came out a couple of years ago on this path, this challenging path to true love and enlightenment and the search. And so I was writing my next book and I asked the question to my book, how I do it is I get in a very receptive state. And I asked the question, what's this book about? Like I'm open, I'm yours. And it said, this book will be on the most important question you have in your life. What's your most important question? And I sat down with that and I thought my most important question was, is it possible for me to reach enlightenment this lifetime? And the book unfolded with about 80,000 words of, yes, it is possible, but here are all the things that are stopping that from happening. And the book started coaching me. And it was all over about a four-day period. I was writing thousands of words a day. 
And it helped me see all the little nooks and crannies of what I was still believing that would not support that movement because personal development is very different to spiritual awakening. I had done a lot of personal development. I've, I have very functional, amazing relationships. I have a functional, amazing bank account. I have really good health. I've been vegan most of my life and I don't eat processed sugar and I don't drink like all these areas I've sort of personally developed. But the spiritual awakening process to go through to I am no one, like I am, and then flip it to I am all, not just in a knowing way, was a different thing. So it was showing me those things and it was very confronting. I didn't, I, I didn't want to hear some of it. I was crying through some of it then that's talking to me. So what happened two days after I stopped writing was I had what I call a pop through experience where I, I was in a very expanded ecstatic state, which lasted for many weeks. And I got on a plane after being, it was all happening in Hawaii. I got in a plane to go to Australia to do events there. And I was like, is this going to, is this going to stop like while I'm on the plane, you know, like <laughs> to Australia? And, yes. and it didn't, it just, it just grounded, but I knew I wasn't fully there. And what I did is I started to um, search online, as you do, go to YouTube and go, what really is spiritual awakening? You know, like, am I in it? And I found Adya Shanti. I don't know if you know Adya, but he he teaches um, spirituality and different, comes from it from different lineages and things. And I found a YouTube video of him and I'll never forget it. He said, you know what happens when your mind goes quiet and your heart's like so open and it drops all the way down to your gut and just everything is so still like for for weeks and weeks. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. I do know that. Yes. He said, just so you know, when that happens, you're only halfway there. And I knew that to be, I didn't know what the other half was, but I knew there was something not quite clicking in. I ended up going to an Ajishanti silent retreat. So I sat in silence for seven days and the other part of the unraveling happened over those seven days with different experiences every day. Um, and it's, it's, I wouldn't say that now it's complete, but that phase of spiritual awakening is complete. And I'm on the other side of seeing what's, what's next, you know, what's, what's there. But it's, um, I think overall to not go to all the experiences, it was a huge surrender because I didn't want to hear a lot of it. I didn't want to go there necessarily. I had to give up my image, you know, cause I'm like, but what if I give up everything and I, you know, this business falls apart and no one wants me anymore. It's like, are you even willing to give up that? even willing to give up that and it's a releasing and a releasing and unwinding of who I thought I was and I just said this once and I say this a lot to my tribe now spiritual awakening you can't make happen what your job is to get into the vicinity of it and once you get into the energetic realm of it it's just going to suck you through and that's what my experience was I was working to get in the vicinity of it and I didn't do anything necessarily, but the unwinding, and I then got 
totally sucked through, if that makes sense. <laughs> well, it kind of does. It's very, it very interesting uh, as you yeah. describe it. Yes. Yeah. So let's talk about vulnerability and how if we are just willing to be vulnerable, we can stop yeah. living with a guarded heart. Yeah. Yeah. Vulnerability can mean a lot of things to different people. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to cry all the time or you're going to be in your emotions. But I think, I think silence and not picking up your distraction mode is vulnerability. I think for some people feeling their feelings and not projecting them on others or um, doing, 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 so they never have to feel and stuff. That's a, that's a choice of vulnerability or courage. So there's many ways that people can do it. And living with this undefended heart, this undefended heart really takes very conscious training and awareness and mindfulness on what your mental habits are. Right? For me, my mental habits was the grass is always greener. I am not satisfied. I had, you know, I had what I thought was great. I long for this and I love this. And I realized, no, the mental habit is I'm not satisfied. I didn't really get how strong that mental habit was until I was talking to a business coach, a mentor of mine. And she said, oh, I was talking about you the other day to uh, my, my friend. And I'm like, oh yeah, what were you saying? She said, Oh, she was asking about how your last event went. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. And I said, what did you tell her? She said, I told her what I always tell people. Your event was amazing, but Rachel Jane is never satisfied. And I was like, it just hit me, like, really? And that you're telling people? I mean, like, I totally understood why she was, but it just hit my heart. And it's like, that is so true. So, you know, I have other mental habits of, yeah, thinking everybody else's life is much better than mine. And now I've, I've met so many people in our industry of personal development. I realize that most people are quite screwed up, actually. They haven't got better lives than, <laughs> than yeah. I have, you know, and all of that. Um, so that, and then the emotional habits, my emotional habits were just up and down. You know, I'd feel immense joy and then immense sadness and a lot of um, envy and things like that I had to work with. And to just not go there is, a, is, is vulnerable because that's how I get my identity, right? I'm, I'm this and I got my identity a lot by being, being special. I'm unique. I'm different. No one gets me, you know. That was my image and other people do it different ways. Uh, you know, we, we were talking um, before like some people go into more self-forgetting that becomes their identity in a way of who I am for everyone else or their, their power becomes their identity. And to drop all of that is a vulnerable move. Very vulnerable. Yeah. So what, what I teach in the art of feminine presence and the awakening or other things people can find me online is what are the energetic and physical practices that a person can do that can easily more bring them into a mindfulness mode and then can easily bring them into a presence mode. Because if you think about the the mental and the emotional habit, the knee jerk reaction is going, 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 going. You can look at even just the last two hours of your day, everybody listening and see how on automatic pilot you are. 
when you're not trying to do that, you need something else to anchor you in the eternal moment of now and to not go there. And so we're using the physical body, the vertical core, the being grounded in our pelvis, which a lot of people cannot. They, they suppress their life force. Either they're scared of conflict or, you know, lots of different reasons. And so we're training people to get really comfortable with the feeling of their own life force, the feeling of what's wanting to move through them versus the habit. And that can be exciting as I'm seeing you smile, Bruce, but it can be scary too. Like, really, if I just let all of this out, what the hell's going to happen? And people need training to stay when everything in them doesn't want to be vulnerable. And so that's where this work comes in. It's been very powerful. We've worked with 12,000 women now, all walks of life, you know, races, ages, and it's the same for men. It's exactly the same practices for men. Right. And I love the name of your website, fullyexpressednow.com. Yes. <laughs> you know, doesn't that say so much just in those three words, fullyexpressednow.com. I'd love to hear more about your live events. Can you tell us about someone you met at a live event that you were holding, someone that was transformed, someone that went through an incredible experience as a result? Oh gosh, it's weekly. So let me think about the last person that comes to mind because I love how you put that because our live events aren't the usual seminar. You know, when you go to a seminar and there's, you've got a binder and you're putting in notes and you're listening to all the people on stage. We actually get a lot of people on stage. We have a lot of dyad work and triad work and mirroring. And mm. so it's, it's very much an experiential process to be able to get people in the vicinity of the awakening and the fully expressed and the mindfulness piece. Um, so I think one, one story that's coming to mind is a woman who had, has a business and she's got a message like, like you and I really of, of wanting to change the planet and wanting to raise consciousness. And she was very scared around money. And she put her hand up and she's like, I really am clear on my purpose. I'm really clear on what I want to do, but I am so scared of, I'm going to be a bag lady. I mean, like all that fear comes up and I don't know if you ever have that fear, Bruce, but it's very common for women to be like, I'm, I'm somehow going to lose everything and become a bag lady. Right. <laughs> and so she was sharing that. And where I went with her was very different to where I'd go with other people. Um, my work is quite intuitive and I can read energy and read people's body and different things. It helps me not to be like, oh, you're this, but to, to really support them getting out of the habits. And I knew she was more of a um, fear type in a way. So fear was a, a anxiety was a bit of a issue, main issue. And the overgiving to other people was an issue. And I asked her some questions and I said, what's really the fear? And she said, actually, it's not like losing necessarily everything, but it's what am I going to do and what am I going to say to my son? Because I am a single mother and I'm looking after my son. What am I going to do? And I had her walk through the worst case scenario because when you can walk through a worst case scenario, it diffuses the fear that is just projected into the future. So why not go there? 
And we went there and I just asked her like, okay, imagine you lost everything. Where are you going to go? And she's like, God, I'm going to have to go in my friend's basement, you know, like, like, good. Well, you have a friend that will at least look after you. I said, but let's make it worse than that. And she's like, what would be worse than that? She's like, oh, we, I would have to be in the same room with my son and there's no like divider, you know? And I'm like, yeah, what's worse than that? And someone yelled out from the audience, what would be worse than that is like a, a, a shower curtain that had to be here like... <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, con- container between the two things. And then I'm like, yeah, and you've got like a pink shag carpet and you've got a <laughs> green couch and, and someone else yelled out, yeah, and there's pink flamingos on the shower curtain and you're down in this basement. And we started sort of laughing a little bit about like, if that's the worst case scenario, what would happen? She goes, I, I actually would be sort of excited. I wouldn't have all of these bills that I was trying to mm. keep and the mortgage. Anyhow, the next day she was on a walk outside our um, room. There's, we often do things in the Denver area. And she was walking past this apartment. She'd walk past every day for about four or five days we've been together. And she finds her head turning to this one apartment and she sees two pink flamingos in the window looking at each, you know, like. Yes. Ornaments, uh-huh. and immediately she was like, "That's that's that's my sign. It is all going to be fine." So one doorway is going worst case scenario. Other doorways are I help people really get in their body and fired up with their energy and not freaked out about conflict. And gosh, I could go on lots of stories. <laughs> well, I'd love to hear about the process you went through when you when you wrote your book back in 2011 how to increase you know it was powerful and feminine was your book and the subtitle was how to increase your magnetic presence and attract the attention you want how did you come to that point where you started writing that book yeah i had tried to write that book for 5 years uh-huh. and i would write for a year and then i would put it down and then i'd pick it up in about a year's time and realize i'm so different that book is not even me anymore so i realized i had to write it fast and actually finally get it done cuz every few years i'd be like but that's old news that's not even where i am anymore and so where i was at that time is i was beginning the art of feminine presence work and that started in my living room. My husband and I had just gone through bankruptcy and foreclosure of our home in 2008, 2009. That melted down. Um, I was in chronic pain at that time. I just was starting to come out of it, but I had been in back pain for about two and a half years where I couldn't actually walk very well on my oh, own. Wow. I was in bed for two years. It was extremely painful. Um, and there's a lot of sort of, soul crisis moments around that. And I moved to Colorado with my husband and I'm like, I've got to teach this work that's helping me get out of this pain that helped me attract him. I feel so supported now. I never felt supported before. And I know there's all these things about the feminine work. So I decided I didn't know anyone in town. I go out to, I joined Toastmasters and a networking group. I mean, this was really early in our business. Mm -hmm. And I invited five women to my living room. And I was, I pick a practice each week and then we'd do a meditation and an appreciation circle. And we went out and I said, practice all week. Tell me what happens. And they were all coming back within a week saying, people are responding to me differently. They're listening to me. They're paying attention to me. The business owners were like, they want to work with me because this was, again, was all about life force and presence and being the most magnetic person in the room. 
And so within six months, this is before the book came out, 35 women a week were coming to my home to learn these practices. Wow. Yeah. Within a year, people were asking me, can you do a teacher training? Like I'm about to move to Texas or Idaho and I want to teach this when I go. So the art of feminine presence just stirred up so quickly. And then I was like, I got to write a book about this. Now I know this is really the work. I put some of the practices in the book. I put other practices that aren't in the Art of Feminine Presence, like journaling. So it's a very experiential book, powerful and feminine is. Um, I think men could get a lot out of it too, but it's primarily for women to come into their feminine energy, their vocal power, their surrender, their vulnerability, but in a very powerful way to attract the attention they want, whether that's you know, on the dating scene or in business or with their family, whatever it, whatever it has been. And now we're in our 11th year anniversary of Art of Feminine Presence now. Um, and it's just been a wild ride, I think, a lot of it because I've been practicing the work. You know? That's incredible. <laughs> Rachel, do you feel as though there is a sweeping shift on the planet toward more emphasis on the feminine? Absolutely. And it's very good. It's very needed. Um, what was I watching the other day? Something. Oh, yeah. I saw the... Um, you might have seen it. There was a photo on social media that was going around of the war room in the Trump administration as they were trying to figure out what to do with the Iran, um, you know, if they were going to do that. And there was like two women in the room and all these men with suits, you know, uh-huh. and the caption was, shouldn't there be more women in this room? Yes. Um, and so it's been happening for 15, 20 years in the consciousness circles, right? We heard about the divine feminine. I did many years ago, but it's becoming more mainstream. There's more books written about it. Um, And it's not just women being in their feminine, but the feminine principles, which to me are the yin principles of sustainability, not just peak experience of um, emotion, not just logic of um, long-term versus profit now, you know, those things which are very on that yin side, not the yang side. So Rachel, what do you think are some of the mistakes that strong, powerful women make when they're dealing with men and dealing with their world? Yeah. Well, one of the biggest for me that I made over and over again was I don't need a man. I don't actually need the world very much. I don't, I don't need help. I am an independent, strong, smart woman who shouldn't actually need any of those things. And so what I did is I cut off my receptive mode and wasn't really attracting much support or much um, great relationships or money. I mean, I most of my life up until doing this work, to make 30000 a year was an awesome year. Like I always didn't make enough money. Mm. And so this has been huge in my ability to receive. And then whatever it is, I'm not very much about the money because it's not really a driver, but we have a multi-million dollar seminar company now. There is plenty of money moving around for in order for us to do what we want with it. 
which of course the environment is very close to my heart right now. Um, women's issues are very close to my heart. Having a wonderful home to live in, not being freaked out about money, all of those things. Can you describe one of the upcoming events that you're going to be having in the next little while? Yeah, I think I just cut out a little bit, but it was just about the receiving mode. And so when women go, I don't need fill in the blank, be careful of that. You know, the the men and, and people have lots of different sexual orientations. I am all for very inclusive in the work. We have had gay women, transgendered women, um, bisexual women, um, non people who don't relate to women or men at the, at the art of feminine presence. So I'm all for that. But let's think of just the masculine and the feminine for a moment, that the masculine is attracted to that which is needed. Its attention goes when the man is in his masculine mode. Okay, what do you need? There's something I can fix there. Yeah. Or what does the thing? And so men are, are wired to provide and to um, give. And so when I cut off my, um, yeah, that receptive mode, then they weren't giving. And I was wondering why. <laughs> Rachel, can you dis- describe one of your upcoming events in in March or April that you're going to be doing? Yes. Yes, we have our main uh, event that happens all through the year in different places is the Art of Feminine Presence, which is women only. And this year, um, we're in 2020, if you're listening to it now, we're in the Boston area, in the Denver area, in the Southern California area, we're in Japan, we're in Australia, and that's all, that's what we have on the schedule now. And in future years, I'll be doing this for a long time. But it is, if you are a woman who's done quite a, a bit of spiritual and personal development work, like this is not your first rodeo as far as personal work, this is something to consider because it's definitely deep work. It definitely requires some tissues. It requires vulnerability. But why it's important to get in the room with me is I want to get my hands on people, like to show them how physically and energetically you're sending me a signal that's actually not getting you what you want and um, whether that's in relationships or money or what have you. So we're doing a lot of these physical and energetic practices to make you the most magnetic in the room, to help you stay grounded so self-consciousness doesn't take over because a lot of women have fear that's like putting the brakes on. They'll play a little bit, but they're not going to fully express themselves. That's why it's fullyexpressednow.com. Um, and what's next on your spiritual awakening? If you're feeling like you're truly committed to enlightenment experience being this lifetime, everything is speeding up. It is going to become more of the norm. And, um, I think demystifying that enlightenment experiences is, is one of the most important things we do in art of feminine presence as well. So it just helps so many things. And the first way to learn about it is go to fullyexpressnow.com because I have a free three-part training where you can do a lot of the practices with me virtually for free. 
And then if you want to come to an event or then you want to do something else, they're not that expensive tickets. I keep it low so more people can come. But fullyexpressnow.com would be the first place to go to get that free training that's actually a few hours of work with me for free. Yeah, that's a great opportunity for listeners to just get a feel for the training that you do. So yes. that's that's a wonderful opportunity. Rachel, I always ask a question about bullying and bullying prevention because I've worked in that field for over 10 yes. years. Do yes. you have a story you can share with us? Maybe you were bullied. Maybe it's a different kind of bullying situation where mindfulness would have made a difference. Absolutely. Yeah, I thankfully wasn't bullied. I was so busy being an introvert and like thinking I was so different from everybody else. I was like, you know, a little bit of an interesting child, but I wasn't bullied. But what I do see in the art of feminine presence is women who are being bullied all the time. I mean, they're being bullied at work or they're being bullied by their partner, that their partner may really love them, but there is bullying practices going on. Mm -hmm. And mindfulness and this presence work absolutely helps because as you know, the bully will come more forward if there's no standing up to it. Oh, yes. And how can you stand up to it vocally? I think it's very difficult if you've got fear around conflict and, and fear around being hurt and safety and security, which a lot of women do. So the training is to help them get so in their body and in their energetic field that not only it sends a signal to their brain that I'm safe, and so then they can say the things they've learned to say in those situations. There's one thing to know what to say and another thing to feel like I am safe in this situation saying it. Uh, because a lot of the work we do is helping women come back into the lower half of their body. When you're in the lower half of your body, that sends a signal to the brain, I am here, I am safe. So just over the time, I know for, for a lot of the women, they're able to speak up. They're allowed to say more because they're not afraid for their life or they're afraid um, while they're actually saying it. And the energetic practices are super important. We do an exercise called unguarded protection, which is actually about predatory energy and bullying and other things like around that, maybe like really needy people that are like, give to me, give to me, anyone that's sort of that predatory energy. And I put women through this and what it does is not only it's, it repels the bullier, just them standing there. They're not saying a word. They're just standing there in this presence. The, the bully doesn't just not come toward them. The bully starts smiling at them and going, what am I looking at? What? Who is she? It disarms the predator mm. because the practices are about transmitting non-resistance. And when you transmit non-resistance, not like doormat non-resistance, like real non-resistance. Whoever's got that predatory baton in their hand actually lets it go. It's probably the most powerful practice we do. I always joke to the women afterwards, say, we need to take a hot pink bus and teach this to every kid in every school on the, on the planet. Um, so, And some of our teachers now do because we have over 300 certified teachers in Art of Feminine Presence. I'm teaching it because I can't get everywhere. And it's like, how can we get this work out? But I think bullying is a critical um, area, no matter what level it is. I'm sure you see very high 
um, levels of it and sort of passive aggressive bullying tactics as well. Yes. Yes, very much so. As we move forward, Rachel, in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. And the first one is this, who is one person who has influenced mindfulness in your life? Adya Shanti. Of course. And how has mindfulness affected your emotions? Oh, hugely. I was a, they used to call me troughs and peaks gal. Oh, really? Like I was up and down and I am not anymore. And actually I can still feel my passion, but I'm very equal and balanced in my emotions. Wow. Big. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness. Breathing is because it's the first thing that I can do quickly. I was just having a difficult discussion with my husband the other day. We do weekly get togethers, talk about the relationship and if we've been plugged in by anything. And I had something come up that I really wanted to share with him. It was very difficult for me to share. I was scared about his reaction and breathing was the only thing in that moment that kept me present Mm. versus going into knee-jerk reaction. Your book, Powerful and Feminine, is phenomenal. Are there any other books that you could recommend which are related to mindfulness? Well, Divine Breadcrumbs is related to mindfulness, but it's a memoir of the things that you probably, most people in my industry don't want to tell you. Like it was a blow by blow of where that mindfulness was not happening and where it was happening. I love The Power of Now, which probably everyone has read by, by now. I love The Hope by Andrew Harvey. It's about bringing mindfulness into sacred activism. And I love, I'm a very big proponent of the Enneagram, of really understanding your mental and emotional and defense mechanisms patterns in order to get out of that fixation and to be more mindful of what you particularly do. Because my patterns are different to your patterns, different to different patterns. And yeah, I'm just looking at my, most of my books are on my uh, phone now with the Kindle. But right. I'd say those would be big ones. I love the Enneagram books I love is um, the Enneagram by Helen Palmer. Oh, yes. And the spiritual dimension of the Enneagram by Sandra Maitri. We'll put these books into our show notes at mindfulnessmode.com, Rachel. Yes. So listeners, check it out, mindfulnessmode.com. Now, can you share an app which can help with mindfulness? Oh my gosh. I'm not a big app person, but the one I'm watching right and one I'm listening right now to more is Stitcher. Okay. Are you on Stitcher? Yes. Yeah. So because most of the podcasts I'm listening to are all mindfulness, spirituality, yes. all of those focus. So what's your, what's, you know, keep that your favorite podcast app ready and be looking at, at you know, popping in mindfulness. So yeah, but I'm not a huge big app person. I'm trying to like be less techy and more in the moment with people. Yeah, well, I, I'm the same way. I, I enjoy some apps, but I find that a lot of times I just shut off my phone, you know, yeah, and yeah. that's more more of a positive experience than anything else sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I really uh, enjoyed your TED Talk. Your Thank TED Talk you. was wonderful. Tell us about that, just for those yeah. that haven't heard it. Well, the way that, that that actually happened was an interesting story of miraculous, mindful miracles, you know, <laughs> um, because I'd been trying to get a TED Talk for many years and I, I talk a lot. So I was like, 
as long as I can get an audition, I think that they'll want something, you know, but to get auditions these days are so difficult. Like the, the mile high one, they have like 400 to 800 applications for 20 auditions. Mm. So it's, it's difficult. So I was, I was one day like, I just need a miracle this year. Like, I don't know how I'm going to do it because people don't know me necessarily. I want a miracle. I want a miracle. I want a miracle. And then I was in receptive mode and my friend was auditioning for a um, TEDx and she got in and she said, we've got, we are so late in the process of finding speakers. We just want to find like some really, really high quality speakers. Do you know anyone? And she said, I actually do. (laughs) So I was able to go all the way through into just audition and like a yes on the day. It was like, it was hugely miraculous. And it's called um, How to Be Unshakable When All Eyes Are On You. And it's about shifting this ego dynamic of self-consciousness. I mean, when we lose mindfulness and we lose presence inside our body, that ego structure is what jumps out literally. Well, not literally, but imagine, you know, you jump out of your mind mm-hmm. and then the ego turns back and looks at itself. How do I look? Am I doing okay? Am I measuring up? Yes, I am. No, I'm not. Like the whole, the whole <laughs> thing. And that's what creates this self-consciousness of not being fully expressed now. So it's an 18-minute take on that. I do a practice, share a few jokes, tell some stories and trying to get people understanding that embodiment, somatic work and the release of trauma is so important to really being feeling, feeling safe and secure being seen when all eyes are on you. Yes. Mindful Tribe, check out the TED Talk. It is really excellent. And we'll put a link for that into our show notes as well. But of course, you can go to YouTube and and uh, search for Rachel Jane Groover. And I will spell it R-A-C-H-A-E-L. Jane is J-A-Y-N-E. Groover, G-R-O-O-V-E-R. And that takes you to uh, racheljane.com is also a website that you can check out. R-I-C-H-A-E-L-J-A-Y-N-E, racheljane.com. Do you have any final words before we say goodbye, Jane, about mindfulness and how we can make our lives better through what you do? Yeah, It all comes from your intention. And I know your tribe is already intending to be mindful. They wouldn't be listening to you. They wouldn't be part of this tribe. But can you up the level of your intention about your mindfulness, about spiritual awakening, about the potential of you being even more peaceful and present? Like, when I wrote that in my book, can I reach enlightenment this lifetime? I was so scared of telling anyone I could even fathom thinking that that was possible. I was so embarrassed in a way. Mm-hmm. People would think I was arrogant. But no, 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 no. This is happening to all of us, particularly those in these tribes. And to raise your level of intention about the depth of your mindfulness and to come into a place of no suffering, of quiet mind, of peaceful mind. Not because you've got to keep the peace to feel good, <laughs> but real, true, true peace. So whatever, wherever your intention is about that, raise it. It's absolutely possible. Rachel, it has been such a pleasure 
to have you with us today. Thank you so much for sharing You're your wisdom. You're welcome. You're so welcome. This has been so fun. Yes, it Thank has. Thank you, Bruce. I yeah. so appreciate what you're doing and everyone listening, what, how they're playing their role in, in mindfulness. too. And I appreciate what you're doing too. So all the best to you and uh, take care. Have a great rest of your day, Rachel. Thank you, Bruce. Yeah. Bye now. Thanks so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest's name or the episode number into the search bar. You can also go mindfulnessmode.com slash whatever episode number you like. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, so many places you can hear Mindfulness Mode. So hit subscribe and share because that truly helps our show. And remember, if you're thinking of launching your own podcast, you can get a free month at Podbean with its awesome pricing and fantastic stats. And you can just do that by going to podbean.com slash podbean MM, standing for mindfulness mode. So remember, subscribing and sharing helps keep mindfulness mode on the air. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.